Well, I'm uh, really excited to get into the word this morning. We're going to continue talking about uh, the power of the blood. Everybody say the power of the blood. Now we're talking about the blood of Jesus, of course, right? We're talking about the blood of Jesus. And really, that's everything that we were worshiping about. That's everything we were singing to the Lord about, the power of the blood of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, before we open our Bibles, can we just hold up our Bibles and let's just thank him. His word is truth. His word is life. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it is truth. It is life. And so, Lord, we receive it today with open hearts. Lord, with ears to hear what you are speaking to us by your spirit. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, and I encourage you, bring your Bibles. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. And Exodus 12. You can hold your place in Exodus 12 as well. Revelation chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 12. Anybody get enough coffee this morning? I don't know if I've had enough. I think if I start talking really fast, you'll know I've had enough. We'll see. David asks, he's like, do you need water or anything? And I'm like, I got coffee. Probably the worst thing for your vocal cords, really. All right. Revelation chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 9 through 10. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. This is a a scripture we were looking at last week. I want to do a little bit of review before we continue. Starting at verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Everybody say amen. So this verse is, tells us, and we talked about this last week, it tells us that by the blood we are purchased. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and and that's a big deal because that means that you are not your own. You've been purchased. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus, and that really means two things. Now, in many ways, you're not your own responsibility, which is a good thing. Somebody say amen. But it also means that in many ways, you are absolutely your own responsibility. Somebody say amen. So that means if you're weird, it's not God's fault. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it does mean that there are certain cycles in our lives that will never be broken unless we take ownership until we become a fully and absolute disciple of Jesus. There is a responsibility to our walk with him, amen? And we see in Romans 8, we see the desire, the primary goal, the the main desire of the Lord is to conform us into the image of his son. That is the number one goal for the Lord in your life, to be like him. Why? Because Jesus is awesome. Because Jesus is wonderful. Because Jesus really is phenomenal. 
And so his primary goal for our lives is to become or to be formed into the image of Jesus. Now, the process of this formation is called spiritual formation. Everybody say spiritual formation. Okay, so that's why many times people will give their life to the Lord. They'll say the salvation prayer. They'll say it in faith. They'll fully believe it. But how many of you know you're, you may not be fully changed in the moment? You may have some vocabulary as you did when you came into the building. Amen? There may be some anger issues. There may still be some, some lingering things. And so there is this process called spiritual formation where Jesus makes us more like him. And the more that we follow him, the more we yield to his lordship, the quicker that process goes. Okay? That, that literally means that you can give your life to the Lord, you can be saved, and you could be the same 70 years later when you pass as the day that you gave your life to him because you really never fully yielded to him. But it also means that if you will fully submit and yield to what God is saying and live according to his truth, there is this process where you become like him. And that is his primary goal. It is the forming of the image of Jesus in us. And so this process, is it okay if I'm sitting down? Are you guys good with that? Okay. No, you want to, at least you're honest. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to sit, honestly. This process, though, of spiritual formation, it requires cooperation. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing you can do outside of the Spirit to form yourself in Him. Okay? For example, it's not natural for people to turn the other cheek. That is not natural. You hit me, I'm hitting you. That's natural. It's not natural for a person to turn the other cheek. It's not natural if you're struggling financially to give away the little you have left. That's not natural. It's not normal to pray for your enemy. It's not normal to pray for those who persecute you. It's not normal. But when you come into Christ, it is more than normal. It's beautiful because it's him, okay? This is life in Jesus. This is what it means to be formed into the image of him. And this forming is the work of the spirit. Now, discipleship, everybody say discipleship. That's a little different because discipleship, it, it is required if you're to be formed into the image of Jesus. It is absolutely required but it's going to require you to make tough decisions. It's going to require you to die to yourself, to your preferences, to your goals, to your agenda, and to prefer his. Now, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, how many of you know that word Lord means master and decision maker? Did you know that? 
If you didn't know that, now you know. So when we're saying, oh Lord, oh Lord, our God, we're saying, master, you're the decision maker. You're my God. I'm following you, right? If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, that means he is your master. Why? Because you've been purchased. Because you've been purchased. And according to Revelation chapter five, the price of that purchase with which you have been bought was the blood of Jesus. That was the transaction. Now consider this. What value can you attach to the blood of Jesus? Is there even a thought that can fully describe just how precious it is? Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1. He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, with like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. The blood is precious. Everybody say that. The blood is precious. It is precious. Okay? We're talking about this because I believe the church needs a revelation of the blood of Jesus. We get too comfortable. We get too lackadaisical in our approach sometimes, and we don't fully understand what was given in that redemption process. And really, what is the Lord's ultimate goal for our lives? The blood is precious. Say it again. The blood is precious. Okay, so by the blood, we are purchased. Okay, we talked about that. But by the blood, we are a kingdom. Everybody say, we are a kingdom. That means we are a people that are set apart, who love the Lord and yield to his lordship, okay? There is a common denominator that the church is to have. We love him and we yield to his lordship. But this is saying in verse 10 in Revelation 5 that we are a specific type of kingdom. It says we are a kingdom of what? Great, kings and priests. We are a kingdom of kings and priests. Now, if we could understand and I know that this is the Lord is working this into our DNA as we speak. If we could understand that our priestly ministry fuels our kingdom ministry. Okay, what does that mean? In other words, our worship, which is vertical. Everybody got that? Our worship is to the Lord. It is a vertical process. Our worship creates a momentum that is outward. Our priestly ministry fuels our earthly kingship. Okay, you guys with me? You see, God is not looking for people to reach out until they first know how to reach up. If all you're doing is reaching out, it will run you dry. It will suck up every ounce of who you are until there's nothing left because you were never meant to have an impact without him. And so our vertical worship, our priestly ministry is to fuel our kingdom ministry. We are of a certain kingdom, a kingdom that goes out when the heart goes up to the Lord in worship. Somebody say amen. And so we come to Jesus because he's beautiful. We come to Jesus because he is life. 
okay? And when you spend time with him in his presence, what does he often do? He'll tell you to do things. He'll put things into your heart. He'll give you dreams, visions, words, prophetic words, scripture, right? He'll start speaking to you. And as you spend time in his presence and he's speaking to you, he tells you to go do something. And when you go out and reach people, what do you do? You go out, you do something, and you bring people back with you to the one that you've met. Because it's all about him. He's our all in all. Everything in everything. You guys with me? And so that's what it looks like to be a priestly kingdom. A priestly kingdom is a worshiping kingdom. Okay? And then we found number three, by the blood, we reign. Everybody say, we reign. What does it mean? How do we reign? It means that we are no longer slaves to sin. Okay? The only way... Sin will reign over your life is if you willingly disobey or throw in the towel. That sounds harsh because there's a real struggle with bondage and addictions. But I am telling you, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, the only way sin will reign over you is if you willingly disobey or throw in the towel because you have enough firepower in the spirit and in the word to be delivered from the grip of sin. There is a promise of deliverance in the blood of Jesus. Amen? So the blood of Jesus is precious and powerful. Okay. That's your, that's your review. Congratulations. Tell the person next to you, good job. Okay. Let's turn now to Exodus 12. Exodus 12. Are you guys excited? I'm excited. 1 through 13. I'm not going to read it all at once. I'm going to stop in, the, in, in between. But let's follow along. Mark it up if you need. Exodus 12, starting at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now let's pause there for a second. How many of you know all scripture speaks of Jesus? I, I like maybe two people got it. All scripture speaks of Jesus. It's all about him. Okay. Everybody say all scripture speaks of Jesus. Does, and that, so that means that when you read Genesis, he is in that right? When you read Leviticus, for the brave and bold who have gone through that, right? When you read Leviticus, he is in that, amen? How do we know that? Oh, good. He is the word. He's the author. He also said so. Jesus said, the, the law and the books of Moses and the prophets, they all speak of me. Jesus says all scripture speaks of him. And so here we see the beginning of the year. I want you to keep that in mind as we're reading through this, okay? 
I want you to see Jesus as we're coming. I, 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 we, I just shared a, 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 in our discipleship class that we had on spiritual warfare, and somebody was asking a question. And, and I just felt led of the Lord to say, the best way to read the Bible is to always look for him. And especially the Old Testament. Look for the Lord. Amen? Okay. And so here we see the beginning of the year starts with a feast. Now, in this case, it's the feast, uh, it's the Passover feast, okay? The beginning of the year starts with the feast. But how does that apply to us today? How many of you know the beginning of your life, your true life, starts with the blood? The beginning of your life. So for me, in the natural or the physical, I was born in 1982, the great year of 1982. Nothing happened that year. It was like boring, okay? I had a physical birth, okay? But my real beginning was when I applied the blood of Jesus and received salvation in him. That is our beginning, amen? Our beginning is in the blood. Our beginning is in the blood. And here we see how the Lord determines our beginning. He determines it with the feast of the Passover, where the blood is applied. Amen? Okay. Verse 3, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Everybody say a lamb. Every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for his household. Let me ask you, is salvation a household promise? Yes, it is. Salvation is a household promise. So what does that mean? If there are people in your household that are not saved, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't quit. Don't give up. It doesn't matter how far gone you think they are, stand on his word. Amen? But what if they don't get saved? Keep praying. How many of you remember when Jesus said in Luke 18, he says, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find that kind of faith on the earth? That's Jesus saying, listen, if you would only cry out faithfully, keep praying, keep asking. How many of you know your job is not to answer the prayer? Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Your job is not to answer the prayer. Our job is to stay faithful and to continue praying. Keep releasing the promises of God before you. Amen. Verse four, if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Everybody say Jesus is precious. Okay. So we see here in Exodus 12, Jesus is introduced as the lamb. And he is so precious, he refuses to be wasted. He refuses to be wasted. The Lord is saying, if there is too much of the lamb for one household, go to another and share it with them. Why? Don't waste it. Because it's precious. Okay? 
Verse five, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. How many of you know Jesus is sinless? Amen. He's the perfect spotless bride, uh, sacrifice, the perfect spotless sacrifice. There's the coffee. That was the coffee. We need more of the spirit. All right. He's the perfect sacrifice. Verse six, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. How many of you know Jesus was killed at twilight? Right? That's when he was arrested. Okay, are we seeing this? Are we seeing how it all speaks of him? It's beautiful. Verse 7 says, They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So we see two things here. Number one, we see the power of the cross. Okay? There were, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but there were about 3 million people of Israel in Egypt at this time that were captive, okay? They were about to be set free by the blood of Jesus. How many of you know the body and the blood is the meal of deliverance, amen? And if you want to come out of bondage, there is power in receiving holy communion. But there was about 3 million people, people of Israel, people of God, who were held captive, and the Lord instructs them to put or to anoint, that's what that means, to smear, to anoint the doorposts and the lentil with the blood of the lamb. So every house in Israel, which would probably roughly be around 600 to 750,000 homes, applied the blood to their homes. Now, how many of you know they were in Egypt, they were in Goshen, but they weren't really in Egypt. They were in the world, but they weren't of the world, right? Here was Egypt. They were being judged by God. Darkness had covered the land. It was so dark that they couldn't see the back of their hand. And this wasn't just, oh, the lights were out and there was no electricity or there was no more candles or they ran out of olive oil. This was, that's not what this was. This was a supernatural darkness that overcame the land. But the Bible says that there was light shining with the people of Israel. In fact, things were doing so well with the people of Israel, it says that there was not even a dog without lack. Meaning God was taking better care of the dogs of the people of Egypt than the princes of Egypt. How many of you know God is faithful to his people, amen? See, here's what we need to know as believers. Because there's a lot going on in this world, we can all agree. And there's been a lot of questions. There's been an alert. Where are we with the end times? Is Jesus coming soon? And we can talk about that. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that right now. But listen, persecution is promised. Okay? Darkness, great darkness will cover the earth but there can still be a great light shining with God's people. Amen? But the, the second thing this tells us in verse 7, it says, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lentil of the houses. Notice these next words. What does it say? Where they 
eat it. Where they eat it. So notice the lamb, who is Jesus, right? The lamb is not merely meant to be admired, but eaten. It's not just meant to be looked at and prized and awed, right? The lamb should be desirable because that would watch you, make you want to eat it, right? But it's not, he's not just meant to be admired. He's meant to be eaten. What does this mean? What does it mean that we're to partake and to eat of the lamb? It means that we are to become one with him. To be one with him. There is a DNA exchange that takes place when we partake and we receive the lamb. At the very foundational level, at the source of life, blood itself, there is this becoming one with him. And that's his goal for our lives. Amen? Isn't this beautiful? The lamb's not just meant to be admired. The lamb is to be consumed, to become a part of who you are to become the focal point of everything that you do, where you are no longer the same, but you are being conformed and moved into the image of him. Amen? Communion, partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus, it is no small thing. How many of you have ever been afflicted physically? Where there is pain in your body, sickness, right? Should be all of us. If you've come with sickness in your body and you're here today and there is pain, there is sickness, know in your heart that the moment you partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, the supernatural power of God is about to collide with your body. Jesus is not just meant to be admired. We should admire him. He's to be experienced. He's to be received. And we've gotten confused, I believe, in the church that to receive him means that I mentally agree. I believe, I, I agree in my, my, my head that Jesus died and paid for my sins. But it's so much more than that. You see, if, if he wanted to stop at mental agreement, then he wouldn't be the incarnate Lord. He wouldn't have come in flesh to be one of us. He wants to fill all with himself. He wants to fill you with himself. He loves to fill all things with himself. So listen, if there is pain in your body, the loving and conquering king comes in to destroy the chains that hold you. His life becomes your life. The power of his blood comes into you. Okay? Is this okay? Verse eight, 
Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now, if you've partaken in the Seder meal, which we do uh, the week before leading up to Easter, Pastor Larry does a phenomenal job sharing all the analogies and the correlation between the, the feast, uh, uh, Passover feast and what Jesus did for us, okay? He'll do it better than I can. But here it says, they shall eat the flesh, the flesh of the lamb, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, bitter herbs. Now, the interesting thing with bitter herbs is they smell beautiful from a distance, but they're difficult to consume. They're appealing. You smell it, right? Okay, so my wife is a wonderful cook. She's like, like, I can follow the instructions on a box and I'll be okay if I pay attention, okay? She can make a meal out of like two ingredients, out of the cupboard and, you know, flour and salt and all of a sudden there's like a five-course meal. It's, it's incredible, okay? I'll walk into the house sometimes and I'll say, it smells amazing, right? These bitter herbs that are being that are a part of this meal, they smell beautiful from a distance, but when you consume them, it's bitter. It doesn't taste so good. It's difficult to consume. You see, that is lordship. That is lordship. That is death to myself. That is the bitter herbs. They are alluring to the seeker when the lamb is burning. And so you come into God's goodness. You come to church and you're like, man, that was good. Oh, that was uplifting. That was spiritually refreshing. And let me tell you, it should be that way. There is joy. There is peace in the presence of the Lord. It is, he is alluring, right? And you taste of the goodness of the spirit. But then the Lord says, now eat them. Come to the lamb and eat the bitter herbs. It's like, what, it's like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and says, Lord, I've done everything that's been commanded of me. What more should I do? And what does Jesus say? Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Don't you love how Jesus just cuts to, the cuts to the chase? Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And that man went away sad because he had a lot. That's lordship. Where I fully submit and yield all that I have, all that I am to him, and what he says goes. It's the crucified Christ. It's the one who was on the cross, who suffered in pain and shame so that we could live. This is the gospel. Amen? That's why Jesus said, he who desires to come after me must what? Lose his life. Whoever tries to hold on to his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Will find it. This is the gospel. Amen? Verse 9 says, Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. Everybody say, roasted in fire. Okay, this is not just a recipe, although we do use this recipe. No, we don't. Not fully. We got to do better on that. We'll see. <laughs> I was about to say, 
Do we, we don't roast our lamb. We do, yeah, we just, we cook it. We, okay. Do not eat it raw. Forget everything I just said. That's pointless. I just sidetracked. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall not let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And so the Lord is teaching us how to cook the lamb. The lamb is to be roasted. So what does that mean? How many of you know to roast something is a slow form of cooking? How many of you know Jesus' death was a slow death? He was not beheaded. He was not killed in a moment, right? It was a slow and agonizing death of torture, of pain. It is a slow death. To roast something is, means it is lifted and suspended. In those days, they would have put a pole through the lamb and they would have tied its legs and feet, I guess. I don't know what the, yeah, hooves. I don't know, whatever. It would have been spread out. It would have been fully extended, but lifted and suspended. And so when John, in the book of Revelation, he sees the lamb on the throne as though he had been slain, he's seeing the outstretched lamb, the crucified lamb. And then finally, to roast something means to darken it. This speaks of Jesus becoming sin. Thank you, Larry. Verse 11 says, thus you shall eat it. In other words, this is how you become one. This is how you have a heart to receive from the Lord. This is how you shall eat it with a belt on your waist. In other words, you don't get to eat this meal lukewarm. This is a family meal. This is a meal for the redeemed. This is a meal for those who have been called by my name, who have been chosen by me, who are set apart. This is to be for my people, amen? With a belt on your waist, notice, with sandals, on your feet. In other words, you have to eat this meal ready to go. It's not eaten with a lackadaisical heart. It's not to be eaten going through the motions. This is a meal of deliverance. And so when you eat of this meal, be prepared to be what? Delivered. To go. Is this good news? This is good news. Notice, with your staff in your hand. Everybody say your hand. The staff speaks of Jesus, the shepherd. This is Jesus, the shepherd, and it being in your hand speaks to him as your Lord. When you eat this meal, he gets to tell you where to go. And so you shall eat it in haste. Everybody say haste. There is nothing gentle about the gospel. Who lied to us? There is nothing gentle about the gospel. It, it, it is meant to be eaten with haste. The, what, is, what, is this, what does scripture say? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Meaning there is no guarantee that you'll have another opportunity. And you could be young 
You can be physically healthy. And you say, well, I have more tomorrows. And you might, you might not. But the reality is, is your heart might not be in a place to receive ever again. That means when this meal presents itself, when the Lord reveals himself to you, now is the time. Amen? Now is the time to become one with him. Oh, that's good. I've, I've heard of so many people that try to approach Jesus with their mind. Let me weigh the pros and cons of giving my life to the Lord. No, no, no. That's not who this meal is for. This meal is for those who are all in. Amen. It's the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Who's the firstborn of God? Israel. And the Lord is saying, you won't release my firstborn. I won't release yours. How many of you know, whatever you hold on to from God, you lose. Isn't that the gospel? If you are trying to hold on to success, but you are doing it without him, you will lose it. He won't let you find it. In his mercy. I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Here's God. He's executing judgment. The Egyptians thought these demons were gods. And there was 10 plagues for these 10 primary gods of Egypt. And so God sent 10 plagues against the 10 primary gods, and he embarrasses them. He destroys them, okay? How many of you know that's exactly what God wants to do in your life? He wants to execute judgment against every work of the devil in your life. Yeah. Yes. To bring deliverance to your life. To execute judgment against the demonic. To execute judgment against every addiction, every bondage, every lie. He wants to break it and break it down and get it out of your life, amen, to set you free. Okay, okay, okay. Verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you. What will be the sign? The blood. The blood shall be a sign for you. The blood is the sign. It's not our greatness. It's the blood. The blood is that which speaks. Not our righteousness, not our accomplishments. It's the blood. It says the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And notice what he says. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood applied, when I see the blood on the doorposts, what the, the doorposts of your home, which represents your heart, when the Lord sees the blood applied to your life, applied to your heart, what does he say? I will pass over you and plague, which is sickness, shall not be on you to destroy you. How many of you know God is executing judgment 
And when he sees the blood, judgment doesn't fall, and it's followed by this promise. The plague will not be on you. Amen? Listen, as we receive communion, we're going to receive communion again, and we're like, wow, we're receiving every, every week. We are right now, yes? Because it's a holy thing. And I believe the Lord is wanting to bring a revelation to our hearts about what he has done, about what he has made available to you. where we would recognize the love and life that he has offered through the blood to each one of us. And I want us to be mindful that as we receive communion today, I want us to be mindful there is healing power in the blood of Jesus. Where God says, no, the blood will be a sign. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and there will be no plague that will come on you. In other words, sickness will not be on you when what? When you come under the blood of Jesus. Amen? There's power in the blood of Jesus. It is the blood that seals us. The blood protects us. The blood has purchased us. The blood has spoken. It has spoken a better word than that of Abel. It has redeemed us. His blood is a hedge. His blood brings healing. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And so here is what I would be asking of you today. As, as your pastor, or if you're visiting here as someone who is a, perhaps a trusted voice, do not receive communion if you are living in willful disobedience to the Lord. Because Paul writes, many are sick and have fallen asleep among us because we have not rightly discerned the body and the blood of Jesus. Meaning, they just went through the motions and there was stuff that needed to be dealt with in their life. If you have not given the entirety of your life to Jesus, listen, I need everybody to look at me. If you've not given the entirety of your life to Jesus, you need to do that today. Amen? You need to. And if you are living in willful disobedience, if there is sin in your life, I invite you to repent. If you want to be in right relationship with the Lord and you know you're not, repent. How many of you know he can take care of this right now? Amen? Right now. And so I'm not saying if you're not perfect, you can't read. No. No, we celebrate an open communion. And if you're in a place where you want more of the Lord, this is for you. Jesus paid for this for you. But I am asking that you take it seriously. And that we come to the Lord and that we receive from him. That we repent of sin. And that we receive the blood of Jesus and we allow his power to be released in our lives. Okay? So here's what I'm going to ask. Let's go ahead and stand together. We're going to go ahead and stand. David, you can come up. David and I will be, we're going to be leading some worship as we receive communion. And you are welcome to come up to receive the elements. There is the, the body. Larry, could you take off the covers? And the grape juice, which represents the blood. Okay. 
And I felt led of the Lord to do this also. If you have an offering that you would like to bring to the Lord, you can, of course, do that online like we always do. You can put it in the offering box. But I would like, if you would like to bring your offering to the Lord here, you can give your offering right here. Because how many of you know our offering is our worship to the Lord? It's putting our trust in him. And really, our offering is meant to be done in the same breath as our worship. Okay? Now, we're trying to work things out, processes, all these. But I wanted to make that available. If you'd like to bring, otherwise, you're welcome to give online or, or put your offering in the, in the back. But I want to say this. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads. And if you, are, if you are here and you want to be in right relationship with the Lord and you know that you're not, I want you just to raise your hand. And then put it down. And I want you to know that the Lord saw those hands. He sees you wanting more of him. And so I'm going to ask this right, right now. We're all going to pray, and then we're going to come down, and we're going to receive the communion. I'm going to ask that you come, you take the elements, you go back to your seat, pray with those around you or who you came with. But I'm going to ask that right now we just lift our hands to the Lord. The reason we lift our hands, it is, it's a posture of surrender. It represents giving thanks to the Lord. Surrender and worship to him. And I'm going to invite us all to pray this out loud together. Ready? Heavenly Father, I've sinned against you. And now I ask you to forgive me, to wash me clean, to cleanse me with the holy blood of Jesus. Thank you for loving me Thank you for your mercy. I believe today that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, that he died for my sins, that he lived a perfect and holy life, that he was buried and raised again on the third day. Jesus is Lord, and I repent of my sin. I repent of all my wicked ways, and I turn from the world and put all my faith in Jesus. Jesus, have all of me. If you, if you, if you want to, if you pray that, Say it with me. Jesus, have all of me. And deliver me today. In Jesus' mighty name.